Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Pull up a chair at punchboardmedia.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gumbo Live. Here's your host, BJ from Board Game Gumbo. Hey, board gamers, BJ from Board Game Gumbo here, back with another episode of Gumbo Live. It's episode number 116, Gumbo Live, the number one Facebook Live talk show dedicated to board gaming. Our special guest tonight, we've got Molly and Sean from Flat Out Games. They're going to be talking about a game that has been driving the Gumbo Crew crew crazy for weeks. I don't have it yet, but Verla's got hers. We'll be talking with those and looking at the copies tonight. Board Game Gumbo, a proud member of Punchboard Media. Hey, check out some of our other fine members on Punchboard including Open Seat Gaming. That's Marty. That's Scott. That's Sarah. They've got a great blog that focuses on ensuring that everyone that wants to join the board gaming hobby, no matter their background, has a seat at the table. Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Hit us up on social media, on Twitter, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash boardgamegumble, and we'll be looking for your questions in the chat crew. But enough blather. Let's get right to our special guests. I've got Sean, and I'm working on trying to get Molly up here. Let me see if I can find her. Where'd she go, Molly? There she is. We've got Sean and Molly from Flat Out Games. Hey, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks hey. for having us. Thanks for having us. This is, uh, this is super fun. I was dancing to the music. I love that intro music. And, uh, and Molly, let me say that the picture that I see right now, a lot better than the one we had in the green room. This, this looks really good. So <laughs> we had some technical problems, chat crew, but we're going, we're going fine. Sean and Molly, you guys are from Flat Out Games. Flat Out Games have been doing some of my favorite games in and out of your publishing company. And hopefully we can talk about some of those tonight. But just in case for the one or two people that have never heard of you guys, just in case, tell us a little bit about Flat Out Games. Who is Sean? Who is Molly? What is Flat Out Games? Do you want me to start off, Sean? I'll like I'll cue you, and you can pick up where I've left hey, off. So before you get in, there's, there's Mick from our family plays games, and he's saying, "Where are the flat out parts? They're right here." <laughs> <laughs> Ask away. Hello, welcome. So, flat out games is really a two parter. Uh, there's the first part, which is me and Sean and our pal Rob Melvin, who are designers, and so we design family friendly. Uh, great themed games, um, and uh, we've got a few published. You might not heard of have heard of Point Salad, and we've Point got Travel Shop coming. Yeah, Point Salad, and uh, and then we have a second part, and I'll let Sean tell you about the second part of Flatter Games. Yeah, so because we weren't busy enough doing uh, board game design part time on the side of our you know normal daily lives of having day jobs, uh, we decided sure. that hey, why wouldn't it make sense for us to start you know a publishing arm of Flat Out Games? Um, and that was sort of um, catalyzed by seeing a game that honestly we couldn't pass up the opportunity to work on a game that some of you might know uh, called Calico by Kevin Russ, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit about later. But yeah, when, when uh, we saw Calico, uh, we had, we'd always been interested in publication. Um, working with AEG has given us a lot of opportunities to, you know, be really involved in the process. They've been like a phenomenal publisher to work with because they've really kind of valued our opinions as, as we move our games forward and that sort of thing. And it, it gave us some, you know, it gave us the seed that, you know, we're really interested in the way board games are kind of as products and thinking about the 
target audience for our games and who are we really trying to uh, make our games for. Um, and so we saw this opportunity to start the Flat Out Games Collab, which is a basically a profit sharing model where we all work collaboratively with a large team to make a game and uh, publish it. Point Sal is one of the ones that you can see the chat crew is t- talking about like crazy. There's Nick Elkins, my buddy Nick. He says, I love pants, Point Salad, but never managed to win it. I know the feeling, Nick. <laughs> I know. The, I, actually, I actually tied one the other day in a two-player game. My first time playing two-player. I wasn't sure if it would work. Well, it worked fine. It, it works well from two to six. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, Nick, you, did, did you realize that the lettuce is overpowered? You always <laughs> go for the lettuce. Um, always that's the, uh, our good friend Cody uh, Thompson from uh, Jellyfish Games, he, he's, a, he's a big fan of the lettuce strat. The lettuce. Okay. So uh, lettuce strat for the win, generally. Lettuce strat for the win. I love that. Mick says, from Mick from Our Family Plays Games, says, love point salad. You're not alone, Mick. It's, it's, uh, I just taught it to my nephews. Um, of course, he's, he's a 1,500 miles away from me, but I found, you know, found something on the internet where we could play together, and it was a lot of fun. So that was good. What speaking of point salad makes me think about all the the games that I've played from uh, from you and your designers. It seems like not only they're beautiful, not only you know cool to look at on the table, but they seem pretty accessible. Something that my game group doesn't mind playing, but I can also teach people who've never played games before. What's the secret to that sauce? How do you make a game that fits both groups? Because that's pretty tough to do. Sean, you're going to say <laughs> well, it's because because it has to pass through me. And I'm I like that answer. So little I mean, the thing is, like we, the three of us, uh, Rob, Molly, and I, all really have like it's weird because we have kind of similar tastes in games. Like our some of our very favorite games will like be similar or like there's a lot of games that we all really love but we're also we also represent kind of a broad swath of 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 like likes in terms of board game experiences and themes and all that kind of stuff so um honestly i think the the key um is just thinking about um just how the teach like learning a new game is like the biggest obstacle, the biggest barrier to entry for players. Um, and honestly, like we think that crunchy decisions don't need to come with like complex rules and rules exceptions. So anytime we're doing a design process or developing like we do with Calico, Cascadia, the games that we've decided to publish, um, usually that's kind of what's driving our decision-making process. Like what can we cut and still have a similar experience? So that's, you know, a lot of designers probably work under that method. Um, but it's sometimes you have to be really ruthless and you have to be, um, be okay just making a game that's, frankly, very simple and straightforward and thinking about different ways to add to the replayability and the interaction and those, those sorts of things without adding a bunch of kind of rules subsets onto it. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's something that we appreciate in other games. Like when we can pick up a game, we're like, Oh, that's brilliant. It's like so elegant. Elegance is like the word, right? Elegant is just, just super simple, straightforward, but has like this underlying like excitement and beauty to it. Ninjas, Basically, ninja. things don't have to be com- they don't have to be complicated to be complex. Nope, don't have to be complicated to be complex. I like that. Ninja says carrots are the best. Sorry, ninja carrots. doesn't oh, know what he's talking about. Every, like <laughs> our whole team, everyone on the team has a favorite vegetable. Like it should be known that we all have our like probably the thing that we will try to play or try to pick the most. I bet 
you so, I bet y'all have heard from everybody that oh this vegetable is the one that's overpowered, right? That's got to be an inside joke over there. No. Oh, yeah. Well, we hear that. I mean, we probably propagate most of the like discussion about that because we just think it's funny. And within sure. our own friend group, we've made jokes about that. I mean, onion is the best, though. <laughs> Let's not yeah. kid ourselves. Molly and I are team onion all the way. Team onion all the way. So the name father says, get it down to its essence and then let the game do its thing. So I haven't played all of Reiner Knizia's games. I don't know if Reiner Knizia has played all of the games that he's made. I'm not sure about that. But the but the ones that I do play, the ones that I do like that he's made, that's kind of his philosophy. Get the game down to its essence and let the game do its thing. But what I've liked about y'all is Dr. Knizia, supposedly, maybe apocryphal, I think I've heard him say this, he doesn't design for theme at all. It's, it's a mechanic, and then he gives it to the publisher, and the publisher comes up with a theme. You know, I don't know if he's telling the truth about that, but it does seem like it in, in, in some of his games. I don't get that from, uh, from the game philosophy. Y'all do have a theme element in designing your games, right? How do you I think we have a thing where we want to be as um, fun with our theme as possible. So I think we definitely uh, theme doesn't generally get added later. But I don't know how often we've ever started with a theme. I think in some recent designs, just real early prototypes of things, ideas have come out of other conversations. And then we've like parking lotted, whatever, sideboard later to come back to something that as a, as a visual was super interesting to us. I do think we're pretty visual. And so that, uh, that is a huge driver of theme. Got a few uh, people checking but, in. Yeah. Bill, La- Bill Lasing designer Coy says, Hey, evening all Bill, you got any questions? These are the people to talk to Patrick Newman, our favorite, des- our favorite diver says, Hey y'all, he plays exactly these, this way to game. And th- this way to game is right up my alley. So Patrick stick around. I want to hear some of your good questions. And usually our first person to check in and Thomas is late. Thomas must be eating dinner somewhere, but he does say, hello, everyone. Watch out for Thomas. He usually has some pretty good questions coming in. And Dave reminds me, I'm always about marketing the gumbo. And I should have said roux, not secret sauce. What's the, what's the <laughs> secret to the roux? Oh, well, you should have made a roux. You cannot turn. It's not a roux because a roux you could never turn away from. You can't <laughs> stop it. You That's no. Our games... Okay. Yeah, point salad is an exception. Outside of the game area, are y'all are y'all fans of gumbo? The food? I don't know if I've ever had gumbo. Mm. Patrick, maybe you could uh, help him out with that, or Dave Duga. Dave Duga supposedly makes a fantastic gumbo. So if you ever you get to Louisiana, let the gumbo crew take care of you. Let the gumbo. We crew are overdue for a trip to Louisiana. I think that would be a lot of fun. So have you been ever? Either one. I again? have been once actually. Yeah, just once. I'm going to take a guess. New Orleans. Maybe yes. Okay. Yeah. I actually, uh, I, I I was I'm a landscape architect, and we had a design studio that was centered in New Orleans when I was in school. Uh, so we got to go down there and do some post Katrina uh, landscape architecture work. So that's pretty cool. Oh, okay, good. A lot of the rebuilding of Katrina. That's that's interesting. We'll have to talk off air about that. I'm I'm curious. Uh, I'm always interested in those topics. So we don't have to overburden the show, but I am interested <laughs> about that. So we didn't talk about the background in board gaming. How, how how did y'all get started in board gaming itself? Well, uh, Sean, jump in anytime here. 
I did not prepare for this question, but we've been asked this, as you can imagine, uh, more than once. So I'll, I'll uh, keep it to the elevator. I'll, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a stab. I would say what we probably realized, uh, Rob and Sean and I, uh, I've just loved games our whole life. Like you know that moment when you're a kid and the first time you learn a game, whatever game it is, and you're like. I want more of this. I want all of this. I want to be playing games. Anytime anyone's got a new game, a game you've played before, like the greatest thrill of getting together with a group of friends or your cousins you haven't seen in a while. And it's like, right. oh, let's play Clue. Oh, great. Okay, awesome. Um, and so that's probably the thing that drives all of us is that it's a thing that we have always all loved. And then um, we all came to kind of modern board gaming in different ways. And then uh, Sean and Robin were friends for a, a while and they liked games. And then when Sean and I met, you know, you're like early dating. You're like, hey, so what kind of stuff do you like to do? And I don't know how it came up. I don't can't remember that conversation, but it was basically like, oh, yeah, cool games. Awesome. Um, and then we would play and go to the like local friendly local game shop and buy new games. And uh, when we moved to Seattle, so Sean and I left. Winnipeg, where we were all living, and moved to Seattle, and we happened to move into a neighborhood that has the, well, really one of the best friendly local game stores uh, that I've ever been to, um, and it's called Blue Highway Games, and Sean and I discovered this place in our neighborhood, and it just was like this community of fantastic people and great opportunities, and it's kind of the rest is history, is the line there, like... Yeah, if, if if you all do some internet searching, you will find our first endeavor, which is called Two of Hearts Games, where Molly and I did, I think it was only two, we did we did board game reviews. We started doing board really? game reviews. I and, didn't know uh, we, we have a pretty popular review of Honshu. Okay. It was one yeah. of the only ones we did. But uh, so we, we kind of started with that. And then shortly thereafter, we were, um, I don't know, I, I was just sort of like, we should make games. Like, I, I think that one thing that we all kind of have in common is this like interest in like that crossover between like art and science. Like we're all kind of designers in a different way, uh, in, in some way. And so we just decided like, oh, like making games is like a fun idea. Why don't we just try that out? And it was sort of this like idea that we were going to go to Gen Con back in, when was it, 2017? The first Gen Con 50 was Gen like Con our first 50. Gen Con that we went to. And at that time we had like one, we had dollars to donuts. Actually it was, it was our first real design together and we play tested it a little bit there and stuff. And at that point, there we were just like super Gen Con nerds. We had our full timetable just like filled up, and we're like going to everything, trying to learn every, just soaking it all in, and getting super passionate about like all the stuff that was going on in board games. And uh, from there, it just uh, you know we got you know really lucky, and I guess just worked hard. And shortly thereafter, we designed Point Salad, and then I think probably our big break was getting it shortlisted on the. Um, cardboard edison awards that was just like a holy crap like there's a lot of you know that was our big chance to like that someone had recognized that we did something and it was like worthy of of taking a closer look um so yeah like it's just been a roller coaster since then it's been it's all been happening really fast and we've just like decided that our thing was just going to be to take on new opportunities and just keep doing what we love. And the three of us have a really strong bond and a great friendship. And we just like love working together. It's really fun. Dawson said, you really should give that old design thing a try. You should try that out, Sean. Yeah. I, I happen to know, I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything, but I'll just say that I know how popular point salad was 
that you had more than one uh, suitor for that for that game. So congratulations on that. And it's a fantastic game. It's one that I have right here. I have the box underneath my monitor because I actually took it out and I have it in a backpack and I carry it everywhere. Forget the box. I mean, I just carry the game everywhere. And one of those little deck boxes like you see for Magic, just stuff the rules in there because it's one that I can I, I can pull out with any crowd so and i love games like that that you can pull out with any crowd with all that when you're, you're lucky with when you're the designer they give you the nice french version they Look send you that. a copy of the french version which is in this cool little tin i can't read it wait <laughs> show me again i want to see that what, what does it say up there salad du point salad du point du point salad du point nice so salad du point two point two salad what's <laughs> that yeah. it's point salad um, strange a point of a salad of points. Okay. Salad of points. Well, the, the French thing is interesting. We always joke about different things. We're we're Canadian, um, and so obviously, you know, we uh, Molly is probably the most fluent in French. Um, oh, you say Molly? She's gone back to the ghost world. It looks. Yeah, like. I think she did. I'm going to send her back down till we can get her. You know, she's probably going to get her French dictionary. That's what it is to correct, <laughs> to correct right. my language. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we we think it's there's a lot of really interesting things in Canada, like product decisions, where there's these sort of like punny names that are like French English, um, like mashups almost. Like there's a there's a milk drink. And of course, uh, milk in French is lait. Uh, and so there's a milk product that's called like lait's go. <laughs> so it's just like mashup of like an English expression using a French word or whatever. So it, Canadians get to have a lot of fun with like m- combining the two languages. Is this true? Thomas says the French version has escargot in it. Is that true? <laughs> I think you're full. No, it, it's time. not true, but there are going to be, I think this is public. I believe it's public. This might be like a hot drop here for you. There are going to be point salad games in other regions that feature different vegetables. Oh, nice. So I might get in a lot of trouble for saying that, for teasing that, but uh, there are uh, other non-US versions that are going to have different, slightly different art. I believe there is one that has a mango that's already, I've seen photos of that around. I keep hearing this. I keep hearing this on social media about the mango. Hey, look, Chaku, don't say anything. Everybody, it's our little secret. We're just going to keep it here. So, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I don't know if we've got her back or not. Yeah, one of the things that threw me off on uh, social media with, uh, I follow a lot of French designers and they always had that J2S. Did you ever see that? I never, I never could figure out what is that J2S, and then I found out that it's just shorthand for them. Je, oh, now I forgot what it is. Uh, je de, uh, it's it's oh, I forgot. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. But it's just it's just shorthand for like you know talking about board games. So just a little. Okay. You might need to let Molly in. Says she says she's waiting to go live. All right, let's see what we got. <laughs> See if she's back. Still don't have a picture, Molly. <laughs> and I cannot hear her. Let's see. Uh, Molly, I think you might be, she might be better off just logging out and coming back in. Hmm. I don't have her. All right, let me try Let me try removing her, and then she can try to come back in. Dean said, yeah, I thought the same thing, Dean. Dean from Meeple Town. What's up, Meeple Town? <laughs> I thought the mangle thing was Photoshopped. <laughs> that, I, I don't know. It, 
I don't know. I, a, I probably would have thought the same thing too. It was pretty cool when they like said they were going to be doing some like slight changes for for that market and adding the mango in, which was cool because then of course like Dylan Mangini, the uh, artist and graphic designer for the game, like got to like riff on it and do like different different type type of uh, vegetable fruit, I guess. I would be curious to see that. BJ from Wargame Gumble, I've got my guest here, Sean from Flat Out. Hopefully we'll get uh, Molly back in here. But we're talking about some spicy hot games that both of us have played. And one of those games is a game from my friend Carla Kopp over at Weird Giraffe Games. And Sean, I think you've played it. Have you played Degrees in Darkness? I have. I know it as Degrees of Darkness, so that can be my little drop about the origins of the game. But this is by a good friend of ours, Chris Glenn, uh, in the Seattle area. So he's part of our Seattle area game designers group. And let me tell you, this do not sleep on this game. This is a fantastic little engine building game. Uh, So it's a really cool premise where uh, it uses uh, Winston Draft, if you're familiar with that mechanism, where you're... I don't know know the term, but go ahead. So you basically have piles of cards, and you can look at one pile, and if you want to take it, you keep it. If you don't, you add add to it and keep going. Um, so that's, so, that's, so it's great. It's a great use of the theme because you're you're grave digging. So you're these you're these kids uh, students, I guess not kids students of the school of. Um, uh, I guess it's school of necromancy. Um, and what you're doing is trying to build out, like do your classes and, and trying to like build out different potions and different concoctions and all those sorts of things. So you're gathering ingredients and then having to build these things, lots of really cool little engine building elements to it. And, you know, just, I love the the kind of match of the, of the theme. It's got like kind of a Harry Potter feel to it, but like a sort of like slightly darker version of Harry Potter. A fun um, dark though, right? I mean, it, yeah, it yeah, it's, like it's a gory dark. It was so fun definitely dark. for like a goofy kind of fun thing. And all of the illustration in the game is by is by Chris. So he did this amazing job on this prototype, and it just has so much soul and so much character to it. Like, look at those little moon illustrations; it's just know, fantastic. Cool? And he's got, I think, I see the bone uh what is it called the bone sphere is above there you can just see like all the skeletons yeah all those it's just super fun um so it's a really great little game and it's totally like small footprint and everything super easy to learn and all that kind of stuff so i'm super 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 excited about this one it's gonna come in the typical weird giraffe size box you can throw it in the front flap of your backpack it the, the it was super easy to uh, to teach. I mean, you know, the the rule set wasn't really that complicated. But what I loved about it is all. I mean, it's got a bunch of delicious decisions when you're coming in, and it doesn't take that long. But it almost felt like uh, it's like the Goldilocks of games. It wasn't too short and it wasn't too long. It did, it didn't reach the point where I, I might have been able to use another turn or two. But it wasn't like I felt like oh. You know, an engine building game, the, the frustrating ones are the ones where you work on your engine the entire game and you never get to run it. This yeah. one, I didn't feel like that. I, fe- I felt like I was able to, to get my thing going, and, uh, and I enjoyed that. The other thing that I really liked is when you're building up that engine, uh, I was surprised that when we played the game, none of us had the same strategy. Like, some of us were going for the biggest point cards. Some of us were just... I'm, I'm going to work at the end and just try to get as many special powers as I can that I can just go. I forgot one of them. They had that they just kept tapping it every single round. The, the one where you add more cards, you can draw six, keep four, and dump two more into the, into the draft. That was an annoying one. That's an annoying special power for that person. They just kept just hammering it away. And that's one of the things that I like. I like, I mean, a small box game that can give me multiple ways of winning and give me a lot of variability. I'm all in. I'll 
be honest. I told Carla, I think this is the best game that she's published so far or is going to publish. This might be my favorite one out of all the ones that I've played. I don't know if y'all played any of the other weird giraffe games or not, but. Oh, yeah. Do we get to count Galactic Raptor games? Yeah, yeah. Count, count throw in Galactic Raptor. Yeah. Yeah, Animal, Animal Kingdoms is Kingdoms. one of our favorites. I, I, yeah. I love Animal Kingdoms, and I especially like the Roll and Write. But I, man, I really like this game. This, I think this one just kind of sings to me. It's got, it, it kind of hits all the right notes. So I'm a big fan. Uh, Degrees in Darkness. I don't remember the date she told me, but it's coming up on Kickstarter relatively soon. So over the next month, we'll, you'll see. You saw Meeple Town's got a copy. They're going to be doing a, a preview. I'm assuming uh, Dean and John will. And uh, and and it's got a it's got a cool theme. So Steve says it's bright and it's dark at the same time. That's a dichotomy, but I'm telling you, it works in this case. It it is not a gruesome uh, dark at all. <laughs> and of course, Ninja says I always lose in degrees in darkness. Ninja, that's because you haven't played me yet. Remember. <laughs> You haven't played me yet, yeah? Because Ninja, Ninja, I have I have a long lost streak to uh, to your friend Jeremy Davis. So that is a tough one. And that's Degrees in Darkness from Weird Geograph Games, designed by Chris Glenn. I didn't know the name, so I'm glad you guys gave me a little backstory. How do, how do y'all know Chris? I mean, I know from Seattle, but is he part of your playgroup? Yeah, uh, he was joined the Seattle tabletop kind of meet. Uh, used to happen in the before times on Wednesday evenings. And, uh, so yeah, just, and he, he's one of the, of the gang. he's one of the most like passionate, most Renaissance people I've ever, like he does all this. He puts like, he just like everything of, of his is just like soaked in his character, like to do all those illustrations and just, just like <laughs> dive into it. And, and I, I mean, I just love his, his stuff. It, it's always really exciting. And, and he is, really excited about like bringing a theme out and those sorts of things. So I've, I've just learned so much from Chris, uh, just from his passion and, and the way that he approaches game design. So well, what yeah. I thought was interesting about his illustrations and I, I, I saw in the box that he was, you know, part of the illustrations. I didn't realize he was the illustrator, but the, the coolest thing is it, the more you look at each of the pictures, like you see things you hadn't noticed before, tiny little details that he puts in there. So uh, kudos to him. That is degrees in darkness. Coming out from Weird Draft Game should be hitting Kickstarter pretty soon. BJ from Morgan Gumbo, I've got my guest Sean. I told you Molly was coming back, that she's back, and we're talking some of the spicy hot. You didn't touch anything. It just, <laughs> I just suddenly was gone from it. Yay, Microsoft! Yay. We're talking about some of the spicy hot games we played recently, and I played a game. Uh, Michael Fox sent it to me from Hub Game, so this is a review copy. Uh, it's called Adventure Mark. And the reason I was, I, I said yes, and I was interested in it is I'm old enough to remember the red box in, uh, in D&D, the original Dungeons & Dragons box. And one of the coolest things about playing Dungeons & Dragons or playing any of the, <clears throat> any of the early adventure uh, games on the Commodore 64 or any of those early uh, type games was hitting the bazaar or the market or any mm. one of those things. You came back flush with your gold and your rings and... You, maybe you didn't find any magic items this time, but you remember that there was this little proprietor in the in the seedy little town right outside of the dungeon cave. It was never a nice town. It was always a seedy little town with a bar that you would meet in, a tavern. Every one of our adventures seemed to always start in a tavern, but they almost always finished in a, a, a marketplace. And so when I heard the premise of this game, and that's the elevator pitch, what if you were the marketplace? What if you were the market? And you're this Henry the Dragon guy that has uh, these these stores and you want to try to attract adventurers flush with all their gold 
to come into your market and spend money. Now, that is a theme that other games have done. Uh, Bargain Quest, I think, is one of them. But this is a small box game. This is going to take about 30 minutes. And here's the coolest thing about it. Not only does it have some pretty cool twists on, on mechanics, but what I love is the catchy, cute uh uh, the Fitches are going to love the artwork on this. Starla Fitch is going to – I think actually Starla posted on Twitter how much she thought the cute. Look at these illustrations. I mean, they, they make you almost want to just play the game right away if you can see it. And that's right, Steve. The name father always has it best. It's what if the town of Waterdeep had a 7-Eleven, an adventure mart, right? And they carry the theme all through the game. During the game, you're, it's, it's basically a deck builder. You're going to be grabbing things like stock that you want to sell to people. You're also going to have uh, people that are going to help you out. You're going to build fixtures inside your inside your um, store, uh, an auto forge, uh, things that are going to help you buy more stuff, things that are going to give you special powers that you can use one time or over the time. And then you'll have these little these little people that you can keep in your store, your helpers. I can't remember the what the what they call them, but the the workers basically the the helpers. And this is some of my favorite art. Look at this squire, Molly. Look at this. I mean, this just how cute is this thing? The the twist though, you can buy all this stuff, but there's two twists to it. Number one, when you buy something that oh, we're gonna talk about that in a second, but when you when you buy something that is gonna have those permanent actions to help you out, the the people, the workers, the employees, you have to decide if you're gonna keep them or not. When you use them, you flip them over, and then at the end of the round, you, you it's rounds, but it's really, it's thematically, it's days. Your shop is open for five days in this town, and then you move on, right? And during that day, you flip the card over if you use that special power, and at the end of the day, you either pay the worker or you lose the worker, right? So it's that balance of, hmm, do, if, do I want to bring this one back or maybe the next round? I really need some cash for the next round because that's the second twist. It's not enough to have the stock. It's not enough to build a nice shop. You've got to outbid your other adventure martyrs. And when the, there's three, well, at three or four or five, whatever it is, I can't remember the exact count, but the adventures are going to come into the store. And during that day, they're going to browse your wares while you build up your store. But eventually somebody's going to take the bull by the horns and say, all right, I'm ready to make an offer. Then you show them your wares and you outbid them using the stars. So maybe I want this adventure to buy my, my stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer up this amount of stars, and you get into a bidding process. And the problem with that is, and I've never seen this before. Have you all ever seen a mechanic where the bidding is for points, but there's a maximum amount of points the adventure can have? So that means, oh, you know what, uh, Steve? It's sort of like for sale in that. <sighs> you can spend nine points to get that item you really want, but you're not going to get nine stars back. If the adventurer is limited to five, because that's all the adventurer has in, in his or her pocket, that's all the points you're going to get. But what if I really need that card because it completes something I'm working on? That is a juicy decision that just drives me crazy. I'm trying to weigh and balance and economically think how much to put it out. So a fun little game, a pretty simple game, but it's got a lot more meat on the bones than just this pretty little art. And that is Adventure Mart from Hub Games. Is any of that any of that touching either one of you? Any of that oh yeah i i i love the i love that idea too of like running the 
like the fantasy shop, right? That's like sort of, I agree, like playing role-playing games. My favorite thing is like inventory management. I'm like, yeah, just going to grind it out for a few hundred hours on this Final Fantasy game, but like getting the right materia and like figuring out what all my gear is going to be. Like that's the kind of fun thing about customization and stuff. So anything that's themed in that way. I mean, and I mean, the art looks like it's like, that's a chocobo there basically, right? Or right. not a chocobo, but a, 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 a moggle, a moogle. I don't know. My pronunciation's off, but you know, it's, it's got that kind of feel uh, from some of the early, like final fantasy cartoony stuff. So it's pretty cool. Isn't it fun that we've been able to take two things that I would have never thought of themes, uh, rolling up a character and ending the day of your adventure in a store, and we've made board games out of them, right? And they're actually fun. I mean, it's great themes. Role player and Adventure Mart and Bargain Quest. Those are actually they're, they're actually good games, but they have unique themes, right? Yeah, and one of the things like I remember seeing Squire for Hire, which is a John Merchant's little game, which is effectively just like Diablo, like how do I fit all the crap in my bag thing, right? And I'm like, that's so genius. And it, like as soon as I saw that on Kickstarter, I was like kicking myself. I'm like, how did I not think of that game? Because that's like so fun. That's like this little micro game piece of something that we're all so nostalgic about is, I mean, I just think that's, that those themes are really cool because they, they tap into like the things we love about these kind of different themes that everyone that everyone likes. Doesn't always have to be about dungeon diving. It can be about the other elements that we really enjoyed in role playing. And that's Adventure Mart from Hub Games. Check it out. It is available. It's it's been out a year or so, I think. Uh, but it is it is out and about in retail. BJ from Board Game Gumbo. I've got my guests here, Molly and Sean from Flat Out Games. And there's two games we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, the chat crew will will just kill me if I don't get to these games. And I want to talk about them, especially the first one because I got to play this one recently with my buddy Jay Bell. Uh, Sean, I think you set it up for us, if I remember right. And we're talking about Cascadia from Randy Flynn, an absolutely gorgeous game. But I want to hear from you all. Give us the elevator pitch. Sell the chat crew. What's Cascadia all about? Oh, you're pointing at me. <laughs> I actually did it the right direction. Hey, Can you imagine? You did. It went better yeah, than no, me. it totally works. <laughs> Cascadia is a game that is very simple to learn and uh, like everything we try to do, simple to learn, a good challenge to master. It is a double layer puzzle. So you are going to be drafting pairs of tiles together. One tile is a uh, habitat tile. So something that's the land, river, forest, mountains, and a corresponding animal tile so some wildlife, and those are going to be salmon and elk and a fox and a bear. And then you are trying to build out, you get to build out your, this is the thing I love, like building out your own little map, your own little territory, and scoring points for continuous areas of the habitat. So continuous um, connection of the tiles of particular habitats, and then different scoring conditions on the animal cards. So uh, different there are a couple of combinations of cards you can play with uh, or like different cards for each animal. And so it adds variability to the play. And then you're going to get, you know, clusters of elk together or straight lines of elk or pairs of bears together. And at the end of the game, you play like 20 pairs out uh, and you're going to get a, a final score and you want the highest final score. Uh, boy, I sure wish Sarah Shaw of Board Game in a Minute just did a great one, one minute I saw run through it. of the game. And I wished I could have channeled her because that was like not at all. How um, does she do that? 
It's awesome. It's so. You notice awesome. that her eyes never move. Like her eyes are. <laughs> Your eyes never move. You must be reading somehow quickly what she's. I don't know how she does. Well, I mean, I keep looking for the eyes to shift. Special skill. And her eyes doesn't show. I'm not even sure if she blinks. And she must like wet her eyes before the the 60 seconds. There's no time to blink. There's only a minute. It's a board game. So if if people, if you haven't checked out, is it, what does she call it? Board games in a minute? Board game in a minute. minute. The board game in a minute. If you haven't checked out Sarah Shaw and Board Game in a Minute, you have to check it out. Somehow she got, and I know we're getting off talk about somehow she got high rise into 58 seconds. And I don't know how you get that game into 58 seconds. I don't think I opened up the box in under 58 seconds. So, all right. So uh, we've got a couple of questions before we get more to the meat of the game. Thomas says, How, how, how did you get the very busy Beth Sobel? Cascadia, because we all live in Cascadia. Uh, I think it was an easy sell for Beth, uh, who'd also done Calico. Um, yes. And so this is a yet, this is yet another uh, Beth Sobel illustrated game. And uh, I mean, I'm just going to guess that doing something that's in the land that she lives in is extra fun. Yeah, we had we had a blast working with her on Calico, and and just she's she's really remarkable, and she's just one of the like nicest people we know too. And so it's just been, it's, you know, we met her prior to, to working with her, um, just being local to Washington area. And, uh, so we really, we really are fortunate to, to know Beth and to, to have her, you know, work on these games and, and add her, her impression to them and her thoughts. And, and it's really great to see like what she comes up with every time. I think the most exciting thing in, uh, and making games at all is like the day when you see that there's a new email from Beth Sobel, like when it's like oh, new art, and it's just like me yeah. like copying look at and it. pasting it into our Slack and being like, new art is here, everybody. You know, so. she's one of the few artists. There, there is only a handful, maybe even less than that. She's one of the few artists where people will actually go to a Kickstarter page because they not because of the game, because they heard she was doing the art, and that that's pretty impressive. I mean, the the Gumbo Crew. I'm, I'm 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 looking for Verla to, to nod her head on this one, but the gumbo the the gumbo chat crew they talk about Beth anytime there's a game that she's done they're all over it they they love her art and going back to everything she's done for for many many years so kudos for getting a Beth on there someday I'll get her on the show that'd be kind of fun but uh I would I would love to do that but um yeah Patrick says the art is so realistic <laughs> you can smell the tree and it's true it's it's. It's a painting or a photograph. Like if you look at it really quick, you have to kind of do a double take at it. It's almost photorealistic. It's, but it's not. It still looks like art. And that is just, I don't know how she does it. Look, Beth Sobel, instant, instant back. Instant back for Beth Sobel. Uh-huh. There's also some, you have to take a close look at the, the uh, cover because there's little Easter eggs in there and stuff. And just because it's such a detailed little painting, you can see Ooh. more details if you look down by the water and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's really exciting. It's almost like the, the size of the box like doesn't do that amazing painting justice in terms of the scale and that sort of thing. But we're super, super excited. And the tile art is, like, amazing. It's like... Oh. The, the it's like yeah. the fun part about Cascadia really is like building out an ecosystem, right? And everybody loves constructing those sorts of things. And when her art starts to come together and the way that she dealt with how like the rivers flow into each other when you put a bunch of river tiles together, like it's just really exciting. Um, and so, yeah, that's, 
That's that's really good. Not to mention the card art has all of the different wildlife paintings by Beth, and those are phenomenal as well. I haven't seen him say anything, chat crew. Maybe you can get him to say something, but it looks like Ninja and Dawson are saying Randy is actually in the chat crew. So, hey, Randy. Randy. Fantastic design. So we've talked a lot about the art, but now that Randy's here, we might as well talk about the design itself. Uh, Jay, oh, man, Jay's on vacation. Sorry, because uh, Jay would be all over this chat crew talking about how much fun he had. Jay and I had a blast. Sean did a, I think it was a two-player. Was it just me and Jay whenever you taught it? I think, uh, it, was, I think it was three. Had another, somebody else joined. I can't remember. My nephew. Yeah, my nephew was in mm. on it. He was Zach or Jared. And I, what I loved, absolutely loved, is that, okay, there's some abstractness to it. But when you have an abstract that plays thematically, I'm all in. And the salmon and the fox and the bear, they played the way that you would think they would play. You know, the, the cards themselves. So tell the checker a little bit about how that card play affects each and every game. And it affects it differently. At the end, Sean, you were throwing out more cards and we we're like, oh, wow, th- this game will be different every time. Yeah, the... Uh- what, what's kind of the origin story now that Randy's with us is that Randy came to us, uh, I guess it was a, just over a year ago, um, sort of like pre-Gen Con over a year ago. And he said, yeah. I have a game and it's inspired by Calico and Tiny Towns a bit. And I was like, ooh, those are ooh. games I like. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, so tell me a little bit more about this. And so the idea, the, the, the thing that is sort of similar to Tiny Towns is that um, the cards are variable. So every time you play, you're going to have different spatial goals that you're trying to accomplish. So um, the, way, the way that that works is that, you know, you'll have a fox. In, in one particular game, here's a good example where we have the cards. These are um, some, of, some of the kind of basic ones. Um, and they all score a slightly different way. So this particular fox just wants to be surrounded by other different types of animals. And the hawk wants to be, you know, in a place where it can see another hawk and each pair that can see each other are worth three victory points and that sort of thing. And the salmon always want to be in different uh, runs, which means that, you know, they have to touch two other pieces. Oh, hey, Beth. Beth's, Beth's on. We were Good just talking about Beth. Isn't that, isn't that weird? Hello, Beth. Thanks for checking in. We appreciate you. Um, so yeah, that's, so this is all variable. So the spatial goals that you're going to have every time there's like, you know, over a hundred different combinations of cards that you can play with. So what we're, what we're doing is there's actually, there's a family mode that simplifies it all down so that all of the animals score in a similar way. You're just trying to create groups of them. So it's really good for if you have younger kids or if you want to just like start to get into the game, uh, but don't want to have to deal with kind of that much information overload we would obviously like recommend we have a starting recommended set of five cards to start with that are kind of the most straightforward but incrementally building up a game so that it, it works with different game groups as it goes back to that thing we talked about at the start of the show where just thinking about um like how do you make this work for a broader audience, but then also still be really great for gamers and your game group and that sort of thing. And we think that games that are kind of modular in that way that can be kind of like expanded upon are really, really great. And Randy has been doing an amazing job, like working. Randy's kind of been on board through this whole process as, as a developer, 
thinking about all these things and, and pushing the game forward. So one of the cool things about the collab is that like we get to work with the designer and they get to kind of enter into the whole team and we're all just working together collaboratively and we're all excited about pushing it forward in different ways. So, yeah. Molly, what jumps out? The art, the mechanics, what's the first thing that hits you when you see this game? Uh, well, I played it with as a prototype, so it was totally the mechanics and uh, the puzzle for me. So I think it's probably the puzzle, um, but I feel like what Beth has done with the art is just, it just pulls you in to the place in a way. Um, and then I'm enjoying visually how the game is looking as much as I'm liking the puzzle that I'm completing. How close to what we're seeing in some of these pictures is it going to be to that final product? Because I can tell you, even on, you know, Jay and I were telling uh, uh, Sean while we're playing on TTS, it, it just visually stunning. I mean, it just it really pops on the table and I can't wait to see it in person. You know, that's pretty close. That's pretty close. Sean, I'm going to ask you, is that because are there lines around on those hexes or not? Yeah, we used to have a border on the hexes and we and we ditched that. So um, but I think Some in this people pic, begrudgingly ditched that. Yeah. Yeah, that was that's a longer story. But, you know, that's kind of one of the things about like working as a team, kind of art directing it with, with all hands on deck. Like that's the thing is that it's been fun because, you know, Randy's been totally involved in the whole every step of the process. Right. We have just like an open slack and we're always just today we were you know debating you know things about the nature tokens and just figuring out all the little like details and stuff like that so um this is pretty close to what it's going to look like um we've got some uh card backs that are going to be a little different and yeah um but this is this is kind kind of it just simple punchy really colorful and just beautiful on the table it's got it's got to be we re always want our games to be the kind of games where you know if if you walk by at a convention like you you want to walk over and just just take a look at what's going on on the table yeah mick talks about how the art took them back to the pacific northwest and and just giving them that flavor how important was not only uh, the mechanics have to be strong but how important was the artwork to to kind of give that homage to the Pacific Northwest and, and the, the Cascadia mountains and, and, and that area. I, it was, it was really important. One of the things that, you know, when Randy first started designing the games, it was just, the game was kind of like generic animals and stuff. And one of the things kind of going back to like talking about theme and all that sort of thing, like one of the first kind of conversations we had was that like, where do we, this is what flat out games tends to do really early on, even with our own designs and stuff now is like, where, what is the product? What is this product going to look like on the shelf and what direction can we take it? And, um, we just were thinking about, this is an opportunity to like do it about kind of wild nature. And we were like, well, is there a particular region that would lend itself to this? And it just, I don't know, I remember exactly how the conversation went, but we kind of landed on like, well, yeah, Cascadia, that makes so much sense. Like this bioregion is so diverse and it has a bunch of different types of environments and stuff in it. And we were like, well, that should be hopefully an easy sell for Beth because she's from Cascadia and, and 
she's doing this amazing um, deck of cards right now that she's illustrating. And oh. um, it's got like mountains and streams and forests. And, like, that kind of imagery is just, if you follow Beth on Twitter, you'll see uh, little teasers yeah. of that. And it's just breathtaking stuff. And we're just like so lucky to have a piece of that kind of art. Like we were inspired by that and said like Cascadia, obviously we want it to feel similar to, to what those feel like. Um, so, yeah. So Cascadia is not those out Those have yet. just a slightly more like magical. They are like, they seem a little bit, they're like deeper hues and just like, just that little bit more mysterious and like magical. So they, they, I would say that she's really done a very different look. Like it's the same texture and quality of animals, but yeah, it's just a testament to her abilities to say like these set of cards are very distinct from the look and feel of Cascadia using like the same bioregion, which is awesome. I like the tagline for the Kickstarter page, a puzzly tiling game of habitats and wildlife. That tells me everything I need to know, judging from my play. But, you know, the chat crew needs to know what's what's the plans for it. It's, it's coming out on Kickstarter pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, we hope to go live with that Kickstarter, you know, in a month or so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we just shot the video and that's got a couple of little pieces to do for the video. And, uh, you know, we got all the behind the scenes. The page is pretty much ready. Uh, out at reviewers right now. That's great. Uh, as we said, uh, Sarah Shaw just sent us her one minute video uh, a couple of days ago and yeah it's been an interesting year because we didn't have the same lead up you know we played a lot of games of cascadia at gen con online but we didn't have the same kind of rollout in this in that way um it's been kind of an interesting year obviously it's been one of the like the interesting year of the century um <laughs> but uh yeah we'll see we'll see where we land uh we're lining up you know lining up the next six weeks eight weeks of our lives so in, in and around the Kickstarter. One of the interesting things I Fire. saw. In the, yeah, right. Fire. Exactly. One Fire. of the interesting Fire. things I saw in the, uh, in the Calico Kickstarter was that if you had a, if you backed at a certain level, you could actually have Beth draw a picture of your cat and put it in the game. Isn't that right? So I'm yeah. assuming if I have a pet salmon, I can do the same thing in Cascadia. <laughs> yeah. Is that how it's going to work? Yeah. There's, there's only a few slots for each one though. And I've heard a lot of elk owners that are like already breaking down the door. So get on it quick. Those elk owners, man, you can always count them to break down the doors. Uh, Don't worry, Beth. There will be no custom elk. (laughs) Dean Dean wants to know is, could an eight year old play this? Dean, I'm pretty sure that Sean's going to answer that. He set up the game for some eight year olds, me, Jay, and uh, my (laughs) nephew. We were, I'm I'm assuming you put us on the, on the beginner to, to make us feel better. Is that right? I would say even in its most, uh, in its like, it's, it's an eight and up game. Uh, you know, you may want to start out in a family mode, but I, I think, you know, I'm trying to remember what it was like to be eight. Uh, um, Mick says it's a family game. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we put 14 plus on our games because of various legal things i'm a lawyer i know exactly but but unfortunately you know that's kind of unfortunate because um even point salad i think says 14 plus which (laughs) 
we were demoing it to three and four year olds right. at Gen Con. So well, you saw um, Nick, Nick mentioned his seven year old daughter beats him all the time in point salad. So Jeremy, just Ninja, the Ninja says, plays it too. So that's true. Ninja, Ninja could play. It. Ninja says, please stop making great games. You're, you're breaking his wallet. You're actually <laughs> breaking. That, that's a good point because we're trying really hard not to break people's wallets. I think that's something that, yes. um, we so feel so pretty strongly about is that we we feel we can make a great forty dollar game, and we feel like we can put it on Kickstarter for twenty nine, um, and still be able to make a go of it. And you know, we have the luxury of being very privileged to be able to do this as a hobby and to get games out there into the world. And part of our passion is just helping our friends put games out there. But um, you know, we want to deliver like a really great game that you don't have to feel like you have this FOMO to spend $129 on, you know, add all the, add all these things Blinged adding up to games. it, blinging it out. I mean, it's just, we're, you know, and the long game for us is we want a game that's going to do really well in retail. Um, we think Calico as a $40 retail game is great. And we think our backers that got it for 29, that's great for them. And we're super grateful uh, for everyone who supports us. And we obviously can't do it without the backers. So that's really, really important to us. The sort of, sort of like value that we're giving to our backers is hugely important. So we try really hard to make sure we can get it all in there and, and make the price really reasonable. The name father wants to know, can you get Calico as an add-on if you back Cascadia? Or is there going to be something like that in this campaign? That's a good question. We still have to figure out where stock levels will be and stuff like that. So we're not 100% on that yet, but we're going to try and make something work where where folks can can do something like that if we can. Jordan, Jordan, uh, take a listen to his podcast if you haven't uh, checked it out. It says, 29 looks like a steal for this game. No cube zone says 29. It looks looking good. Alex says when he was at uh, Great Box Games, they had a 14 up on creatures and cupcakes. <laughs> Such a strange format. <laughs> I bet I don't think that uh, as your attorneys, I'm, I'm going to advise that you should not put a live hawk in Beth's uh, game box. So, But she'll give you an extra 30 Be bucks. Be careful what you, you wish for, Beth. I mean, you're close enough. We could probably pull that off somehow. Right. That would be a good surprise. So what do they get for the $29? They back Cascadia. What's going to come in the box? Everything you see here, right? Yeah. So you, yeah, that's the that's yeah. There's a hundred. There's a hundred like deluxe wooden token wildlife tokens um, that are okay. going to be you know painted and screen printed and stuff like that. And then um, all of the cardboard. We're hoping that with enough stretch goals, we can really like one of the things that we're hearing from, from Calico backers is like, wow, the production in this is awesome. But it wouldn't have been able to be awesome without all the backers like getting those stretch goals to like get a thick. Get, get thicker tiles and all that kind of stuff. So we're hopeful that we've, that we've got some things up our sleeve that if we get enough funding, we can keep adding to the quality. And we're, we're usually fans of like just upping the quality of the game components with a lot of the stretch goals. So keeping it simple, there's not a lot of gimmicks to it. It's just like, let's make this thing the best possible game it can be. But yeah, you get like around 100 tiles and 100 tokens and score pad and all that kind of stuff. So it's... Um, it's going to feel feel a similar amount of stuff to like Calico. There's a canvas bag and all that kind of stuff. So it's very much in that similar range. Jesse checking in. We haven't seen Jesse in a few weeks. Good to see you checking in on the show. A long, long time no see. Thomas wants to know, <clears throat> is play count important whenever you're looking for a design that you're going to sign or something that you're going to play? Do you, do you all have like a typical design thing in terms of, a, in terms of play count? 
you know, I don't think it's the thing we're looking for. I think we were already really focused on trying to um, make sure we could have a solo play in okay. our games. Um, Calico lent itself to that really well. That was maybe not necessarily like the thing that drew us to it, but it lent itself to it really well. And the team really spent a lot of time working out great scenarios um, and achievements and making it a really engaging process. Uh, kind of experience for solo players. And I think the same thing with Cascadia, it, it, the type of a game that lends itself to solo play. And so that's an extra bonus. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily what we were looking for. I think as anyone watching or listening knows, given the state of the world right now, uh, solo games, uh, you know, having a, a solo option is, is really important. So Sean, give us the, give us the deets. So we're looking at the, give us the play count the play time and approximately when the Kickstarter is for Cascadia coming out from flat out games on Kickstarter soon. Sure. So Cascadia plays one to four players. Um, it's uh, plays in about 30 to 45 minutes and it's going to be available on Kickstarter sometime in September, likely in about a month to six weeks from now. It's, it's, it's a lot of it's hinging on um, Calico delivery and all that kind of stuff. We're just wanting to get our, get our backers the first game and, and just getting all our, all our things lined up for Cascadia, but it's coming, coming soon. Um, and you can you can head to cascadiaboardgame.com and that'll redirect you right to the Kickstarter uh, pre-launch page. So um, if you're interested in it, head on over there and and uh, click click the notify me, and then you'll you'll get notified right when we launch. One of the things that is kind of exciting about this campaign is that we will have founders editions of these. So all of the handmade prototypes that that the reviewers have that that uh, you know Mick and Starla just played, uh, those are going to be available for backers to back. We haven't nailed down the exact price for those, but um, you'll you know also get your name in the rule book and uh, you know get a signed copy and you get it right away. So if you're really excited about playing Cascadia, uh, we know uh, Kelly was one of our founders from the Calico campaign and she's kind of like the ambassador for Calico. And uh, so it's really fun. It's a fun like kind of fan service thing that we do that like gets early adopters really excited about it. And, and we just kind of figured we have these prototypes around, like why not why not make it this fun thing for the community to be able to like uh, have that early copy? That is an awesome idea. And that is Cascadia coming out. Look forward around September. It's going to be out on Kickstarter. It's a puzzly tiling game of habitats and wildlife. I got to play it. If you check out the blog, you should see some notes whenever we played it. BJ from Board Game Gumble. I've got my guests here, Sean and Molly. One more game to talk about before we get to our board game. I do, you know, I can't have you on the show then we can't talk about Calico. We got to make sure that we bring that in. So I've got a couple of pictures, and I'll tell you, there's not pictures I took. These are pictures from the board game ambassador. She's been posting them, uh, making <laughs> me jealous with with her pictures. Saw those today. I yeah. haven't got my game yet, but uh, this is Verla's pictures of Calico and. Well, you can tell she's an Instagrammer. Look at this. It's got the it's got the right shading and the framing and all that. Not like my terrible pictures that Carlos always yells at me about it. But, you know, for people that haven't heard of Calico, and I'm sure they're not watching this show tonight, but it, just in case, give us the quick elevator pitch. What is Calico? And, and give us some details about if they can still pick it up somewhere. Is it still out there? Molly? Uh, 
interrupt me at any point. So uh, I'll start with the basics. It's so funny. I was on a pitch thing the other day and I was giving people advice and then I just did a terrible job of explaining Cascadia. But Oh, before you get started, so you can collect your thoughts. Um, I, I, I got to ask one, one question for Sean. <laughs> one question for Sean. Sean, bag of spiders. Bag of spiders. Bag of spiders. Uh, I, I was waiting, Jeremy. I was going to say it so how many points in this earlier conversation I was going to say, no, it doesn't come with a hawk, but it comes with a bag of spiders. Or like, Can I give you my oh, one-sentence review no, of bag of you spiders? You my house with a bag of spiders. What is I'll your one-sentence review? Is it the same as Eric's, which is just it's, nope? <laughs> no, Eric laughed at mine. Eric laughed at mine. My, my one-sentence review, it's the greatest game about plastic spiders that I ever played at BGG 2018. <laughs> <laughs> that's that probably ask, accurate that is an honest review greatest i actually backed the project <laughs> and I, we backed it all we I backed the project during the uh the kickstarter project and we had a contest when jeremy was on the show and adam still hasn't picked up his copy jeremy so i don't know what that says but adam, adam the winner still hasn't picked up his copy but i carried it around in my truck ready to deliver to adam austin uh, but anyway back to molly molly you were telling us about calico Okay, so Calico is a puzzly tile laying game for one to four players. Like Sean mentioned, plays about 30 to 45 minutes. And in the game, what you're going to do, everyone has their own little quilt board. And what you're going to do, you'll always have, you'll start with two um, tiles in your hand. Uh, they guess their private information. And what you're going to do is you're going to do two things on your turn. You're going to play a tile and then you're going to draw a tile from the market. And you can see all those great little colorful tiles over the course of the game. You're basically going to fill in your board and you're going to be aiming for scoring points in three different ways. The first way is to meet the scoring, the scoring objectives that surround those three tiles that you can see in the board. So uh, there's three spots um, where there are different scoring conditions. There are many different tiles that you can put in there to meet the scoring conditions of the six tiles surrounding that central hex. The next thing you're going to do is uh, be looking for the patterns. So in the photo, you can see different cats uh, have different scoring, uh, score different points, and they want slightly different patterns or scoring conditions. But then they also want the patterns on different tiles. So Millie, that little calico, uh, she's looking for flowers and ferns in this game, and she's going to score... Um, now I'm totally blanking on how many points Millie scores, like three points for three, any three of those patterns connected. Um, and then, so you get points for your cats. You can, when you meet the scoring conditions, you put the uh, cat down on the board and then you'll score it at the end. Uh, and the third thing you're going to do is try to get clusters of three of the same color of tile together. And, and so you sew a button on your quilt and uh, three ways to score, uh, lots of variability, and uh, that's it, Calico. And that is, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a wrap up. That's everything about Calico. I, I actually got to, now Verla has her copy, but I have one over her. My buddy Ninja got me hooked up with Kevin, as you can see in the pictures, and Nick. Oh, yeah. Jeremy, I don't remember who the guy in the red shirt is, so you're going to have to help me out, Ninja. I just, I'm just drawing a blank. It was Gen Con last year, very first day. We were pretty bleary eyed. Uh, I think it was the first day. And Kevin had his prototype. Of, of calico and i was blown away so much i think the kickstarter campaign was about to kick off right after yeah. gen con i backed yeah, it right yeah. yeah i backed it right away uh you know a month or two later when it when it came out so i'm waiting for my copy to come in but i absolutely had uh had a uh, a blast playing it so 
Alex from the Dukes of Dice. Oh, by the way, Alex, I don't know if you noticed, I'm wearing my Dukes of Dice shirt today. I didn't know Alex was going to be here. He said he was sick. He wasn't going to be in the chat crew. But he's uh, his girlfriend, Abby, loves games like Patchwork. And that's the kind of game. I love tile lane games, any kind of puzzle uh, type of game. How, Molly or Sean, do you compare uh, Calico to Patchwork? Oh. It doesn't have the time mechanic, so it's it's not going to have that part if that's what she likes, right? I think it. I'd say it's pretty similar. Um, really, like patchwork is also elegant in that there's not really that many rules to learn, but the strategy is really deep in terms of the time. And, and patchwork is one of if you go back to the old to the archives of the Flat Out at the Table podcast, you can find a, a show with Molly and Rob discussing patchwork because it's one of Rob's very favorite games. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, he goes like a total deep dive on patchwork. So if anyone's a fan of patchwork, should listen to that show. But um, I'd say it's pretty similar um, to patchwork in terms of like weight, um, and it plays in a similar amount of time. I mean, if you're if you've played Calico a lot and you're um, it's a really great like couples game because if you like just want to play a game over and over again, like we, like Molly and I will just sit down and play it. We can play it in like 20 minutes. Like it's fast once you've played it a number of times. Um, so yeah, pretty similar. Calico. That's uh, very similar. To- says uh, she thinks that Calico is a lot prettier, and I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good I, point. I agree. Especially prettier right. than that Americana one or whatever. I didn't, I didn't look at that one very closely. We've but. been avoiding this subject. Everybody's getting their copies, but are there any copies out in the wild where people can purchase? And if so, what, what do y'all know about it? Yeah, well, we had a lot of retailers uh, across the world, actually, express interest uh, when we had our Kickstarter campaign out. So there were boxes of six that went out uh, across the country, uh across the world to a few friendly local game stores. So there are some copies out in the wild through Mm. them. And uh, as you know, it's going to be in retail in probably in October this year. I think that's the, that's the word on the street. Sounds like the release date is in early October from AEG. So those that don't know, we um, we signed a co-publishing, uh, basically distribution publishing deal with AEG. So that um, you know, for Calico, um, one of the things we wanted to do was get working on Cascadia and honestly have a pipeline to be able to get Calico out to more people and uh, work with a company that we you know we really know and love and trust um, to to do. To partner with to get the game into distribution and to get it broadly available in retail. <laughs> oh, oh, Beth, I am so sorry. I read prettier, but she said thank you. Well, hey, ninjas, ninja is saving you there, Molly. He says it's both. It's both thinkier and it's prettier. So, and, <laughs> oh, and that Beth, is kind of cool. I'll never live that down. <laughs> Um, I also think it's, yeah, it's, thinking. you know, she's the uh, artist, right, Molly? <laughs> I know she's the artist. Well, I'm pointing the wrong way, Sean. I'll yeah. keep doing that. All right. I heard so, say something like that exactly, but I, <laughs> that's going to be fun. Oh, that's, so that's Calico that's so coming sweet. out. Uh, so a new edition coming out from AEG games and a co-partnership with, with, uh, flat out games. So that should make those excited in the chat crew who haven't played it yet. And you should, you have, if you haven't played it yet, you should play. Kevin Russ is a wonderful person to visit with. Wonderful photographer, if you've ever seen his uh, stuff on social media. And such a cool, smooth, thinky, puzzly little game 
that's pretty easy to teach and seems to have some replayability. I only played the one time with, uh, with Ninja when I got my butt whooped. But, uh, but I, I think there's going to be some replayability because all the tiles that come out, the different cats that come out, are all going to be different when they come out. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's going to have all that. And working with Kevin has been phenomenal. And we're the, our, the Flat Out Games collab has just been this like snowball rolling down a big hill, right? And so now Ke- Kevin is so incredible to work with. Where you know he's he's involved with Cascadia, you know, like he's doing development for us and helping with all kinds of other stuff. You know, he he laid out the rule book to Calico, which I'm super you know, like we're super proud of like just how clean and clear all that was. And he's helping work with Cascadian as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks to Kevin for trusting us with his amazing game and we hope we can do it justice and get it out there to the masses. I'm bringing in the board game ambassador, Verla, uh, who we borrowed some of her photographs from. Sorry, Verla, I couldn't get them all in there, but I, I try to get some of the ones that you had. So, Verla, as you know, her mom is a huge fan, a super backer of Flat Out. So, Verla, any questions for for Kevin, uh, for Sean or Molly? You guys have a thing for tiling games, which I love. It's one of my favorite mechanics. Do you think you'll just keep running with that? Do you plan to introduce anything else in some other games? Ooh. The thing I realized as you were saying that is that we love playing them so it like mm-hmm. we just want to make games that we want to play so it you know there's a very good chance of that yeah nice yeah we uh i can tease that we have that i'm just gonna say that nothing ever comes in twos that maybe there's a third kind of puzzly tiling game on the horizon oh, for i wish y'all could games. see the name father's face right now he's he's, he's like <laughs> like his eyebrows are raising slowly up to the top of his head <laughs> does so so if it doesn't come in twos steve that means no not fives threes threes <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah sure hi Beth. Right, so, hi mick all right so Molly and Sean, that's some great info on Calico. Good question, Verla. But this is a board game show. And you know what we have to do on a board game show. we got to play a board game. Steve, are you in the uh, – can uh, Can you guys hear uh, Steve? I haven't heard anything so no. far. All right, hold on. How about now? Steve, are you talking? I am. Oh, oh wait, here I we go. Have... All right, there, okay. there we go. Can you hear me now? I forgot to yes. send you up to the screen. All right. All right, so – it's a board game show. I've got Sean and Molly from Flat Out Games and Steve, our ever-present game host, the name father, is going to tell you a little bit about the game we're going to play tonight. Well, we've got uh, an interesting little treat here. We're going to do a special two-person single game on V. The on V game is when the guests come in with a game that they have in mind. It could be a favorite game or a grail game. They think of it. They have one. They've told us that they have one. They haven't told us what it is. We're going to have to play kind of a 20 questions game here. Verla, BJ, and I will ask the questions in audio. We'll be looking for questions in the chat. Um, But we're going to try and narrow down what game they have in mind. If they had the perfect setup, the right people, the right time, what would they play right now? How well do Beth and Ninja and Randy and all those people in the chat crew know you? Because we're competing, Verla and Steve. We've got to beat the chat crew. Let's see if we can can take them down. All right, so do you all understand the game, Avi? It's uh, a Cajun word for you know something you really, really want to do, like a hankering or a jonesing or something like that. Uh, and this, t- and this one, as Steve said, it's 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 all tied to a game. So uh, we're gonna go back and forth with the chat crew with questions. Do you all understand the game? 
Ready to proceed. All right. I think Molly is uh, ready to go. Sean says yes. So let's start out with the ever-present first question. Do you mind if I'll start it out with it? But is it a competitive or a cooperative game? And based on our conversation tonight, I'm going to guess it's a competitive game. It is a competitive game. Competitive game. All right. So that narrows it down to about 100,000 games. Okay, we're good. We're off to a great start. You've got this all, right, all down to an algorithm or something, right? You just like, yeah. you know it's which perfect, ones. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you've seen that car commercial where, you know, the cars are flicking by when they say, I want gray, I want four-wheel drive. That's what, that's what we're doing right now. So, Verla, what you got? What are the shape of the tiles in the game you want to play? <laughs> okay. Texas or squares? So... I'm making there are some here. little tokens. Molly, there you're giving away too some... much information. <laughs> that wasn't the question. <laughs> Thomas wants to know, is it a tiling game? That's kind of following up on your question, Verla. Is, is it a tiling game? It is not. Oh. Oh, Verla, so it's not a tiling okay. game. Interesting. Okay. Well, they said they Alex's, Alex's like favorite question, Alex's favorite question, which always helps us win. Oh. If the game I have the answer. I have the answer. <laughs> would, have oh, it. my God. Alex, somebody has an answer for you. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Molly. Mm, Sean, maybe you'll disagree because you hate mint so much, but it's a mint chocolate chip game. Hmm. Okay. And while he's saying that, Beth, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're doing the Envy game. They know a game. They really, really want to play. If they could stop the show right now, the perfect group, the perfect setting. It might not even be a game they own. It could be a game that they've just always wanted to play. And we're going to take turns, including the chat crew. We're trying to compete against the chat crew to see if we can figure it out first. But you guys each so, have your own, right? It's the no, same one game. One game, Verla. Oh, no. Okay. okay. Steve threw a twist on us. Okay. They know the game and we don't, but it's only one game. So Molly says it's a chip, um, chocolate, mint chocolate chip game. And Sean says a weak yes or a strong yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes? Okay. Strong yes. Yeah. I can follow up on that. If you're saying mint chocolate chip, I'm thinking sweet and refreshing. So is it a game that could be kind of played in 30 minutes or does it have to go longer? Alex, what did you do with this show? Where are we going with these questions? <laughs> It's like the food theme show. <laughs> That's right, where the so food themes game. Time at the time. Is it a short and sweet filler game or is it a longer game? It's a longer game. Okay. A longer game. Wrong. Beth wants to know, is it an unplayed prototype? <laughs> no, no. That's a good no. question. Because that would have been really tough for us to get. You'll never yes. get it. <laughs> Mick wants to know, is it a Euro? Would you consider it a Euro? Good question. Ooh. Wow, Jesse's got that a guess actually, already. I think that's a really good question. I don't know what you... Yeah. Um, Jesse's throwing the guess out. He says it's mint delivery. He knows what it is. Is it? Uh, no. No, that, that game is definitely a short and sweet game. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, so hard to classify. Hard to... Euro? Do, would you say it's a Euro, Molly? You. <laughs> She's thinking. No. Okay. I wouldn't. I think I think I agree with that. Does it have cards? Kelly wants to know if it has cards, and she's a super backer, so we move her question right up. It has cards. Yeah. Yeah. Super chat. It does. It does have cards. Thomas wants to know: Does it have the worker placement? Yes to cards. Does it have a worker placement mechanic in it? No. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. So to recap, we got a competitive game that's a longish game. It's card based. It is a, well, not a euro, maybe not exactly a hybrid. Uh, it's a chocolate chip mint game, mint chocolate chip game. Uh, Beth wants to know if you lived in the world of the game, would you be sad, neutral, or happy? Good question. Such a good question. Oh. Happy? <laughs> really? I think I, I think I personally would be sadder than happy. So it's either sad or happy, but are they sad or happy dice? Are the dice happy or sad? Kelly wants to know if there's <laughs> dice in the game. Oh, no dice. No dice. No, dice. No, 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 you know that you know we have a die in our logo and yet have never designed or published a game with dice nope. yet. Meepletown, Dean from Meepletown says, was it designed in the last two years? Ooh, is it is it the hotness? Are y'all are y'all fans of the no. hotness? Yeah, mm. I'm looking forward to playing some games again soon, but it is not a new game. I mean, it's not the last two years. Mick wants to know if it's got minis in the game. It's a good question, Mick. Ooh, I bet it does. It's... (laughs) Oh, Steve, this is a hint right here, Steve. This is a hint. I guess it's a no. It could. It could. A a really... A reskin blinged out version of this game might have many. Oh, wow. All right, Jack Crew, strap it on. Let's go. Now now we're getting somewhere. So the answer is no, but it's like kind of a soft no almost. A soft mm. no. All right, Thomas, you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to get a little bit more specific. So I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out with that. Is this is this a two to four player typical game? Is it a two to four or is it gonna be more than that? Uh it's close to that, but it's it has funny. a higher two to five? Sean, you'll get mad at me if I give any of it away. Uh, it's cl- it's close to a two to four. It's basically like your base level, like two to four player game, but it has a higher ceiling. Can, can, can play a higher. Two really, two, two. Will it play two? To- Verla wants to know if it'll play two to five. Yes. Yes. Does it play got- well at two, or is it better with more? It's better with more. Dugar wants to know if it's got engine building in it. No. Alex says he's got it. Alex says it's dead of winter. It is not. Except that is cooperative, Alex. Oh, yeah. Alex. First question. Well, it's cool. It's supposedly of, cooperative. Yeah, true. Yeah. Until it's can, not. I wonder if we can try to tackle the theme here. Because they said it wasn't a Euro, but maybe the theme might give us some narrowing focus. Would you say that it has a fantasy theme? Yes. It does. Oh, so it's, hey, Dean, it's not terraforming Mars. Unless you think that we'll never ever go to Mars, right. then then uh, that would be a fantasy. But. And, with, and with the maybe minis, you're not talking about the new small world of Warcraft. Of Warcraft. Is it an award winner? Question. Hmm. Might have to consult. I don't think so. BGG. Um, I don't. Not anything major. Oh, okay. Um, but it has been a nominee. It has been a nominee, okay, okay. but it is not uh, oh, like a BGG nominee or a Dice Tower nominee. Mm-hmm. Mick, Mick thinks it's Me- Meeple Circus. Not Meeple it's, Circus. It's not Meeple Circus, and it's not Seven Wonders either. But I not Seven Wonders. Seven Wonders is on my list anytime there's a large enough group of people. You were right, but okay. all right. So Steve, can Seven you recap? Wonders is a good guess. I think we're, oh, really? 
Seven Wonders is a good guess. Another hint there, Steve. Well, so for what a you game got for of cards. Recap. Yeah. recap. Yeah. We got a card game. No dice. Um, it has a trader element. It's longer than um, short. Um, not, we did not necessarily tie down date, but it was not recent in the last two years. Has a fantasy theme, not Euro, uh, they would kind of say. Mint chocolate chip in its flavor. Um, a combination of sad and happy, depending on which one of the two of them they are living in this game. Um, am I missing any other big ones? Oh, Dean says Clank, but that's two to four. I don't know if it doesn't go more than that. But is Dean right? Is it Clank? It's not. Does it have any dexterity it's not clank. in it at all? Mm-hmm. Nope. No dexterity. Okay. Y'all need to ask animal. us about... And it's not Animal Kingdom, but I do want to... Yeah, know, not it's Animal It's not Kingdoms. Animal Kingdom. Yeah. You, but that would have been your obvious game if you were by yourself, right? So, Good question. Oh, from how did we miss that? Is yes. there a board? Is there a board in the game? Hmm? Yep. Yes. There's a board. Steve, you got a question? Um, maybe try, we've got a theme now. I wonder, is it a designer's name that most gamers would recognize? Ooh, I don't think so. Okay. Is there a what that most gamers would recognize? The, the name of the is designer. Is it a name of a gamer? Of a oh, game I don't designer? think so. No. Interesting. Is it an American designer? Uh, no. No. I don't believe so, and I think some no. it's, some people may know the designer. Um, I have I have like I'm familiar with the designer, but it's not a. <laughs> has he designed not a cat? Everyone. Has he designed a game about cats? <laughs> not I that I'm aware so. of. I don't believe so. Jesse wants to know if it's any one of the Munchkin franchises. I <laughs> doubt that Munchkin has been nominated for anything recently, but could be Jesse. The designer, be. the designer has a lot of credits to their name. I I wasn't aware of. There's actually quite a few games that this designer has designed. All right, so check. We got some pretty good, uh, pretty good hints here. We got a game that has a board. Is that right, Steve? Yes, they said board yes. Board and cards. Not yep. an American designer. A name you might not know, but has a lot of credits, and it's been nominated for a type of award. Nick wants to know, is there any negotiation in the game? Hmm. I think I, I think Dean's no. naming some of his favorite games. That's where we are. He's naming good cards. I like that, yes, Dean. Because he, he and I both love that game. So um. <laughs> when, you get artists, when you get artists together asking questions... As you post this one, we get a very different slant on how to try and track this down. I love this question. If the game was a human being, would they be a good house guest? Hmm. No. No. I feel like they're nice on the. I said I would be happy there, but I don't think that. I think they're nice on the on the inside, but kind of menacing on the outside. Okay, I think that would be fantasy. That makes sense. Definitely chaotic, neutral, chaotic, good, chaotic. Another good question. When it came out, was it an expensive game? More than 50 bucks? Hmm. Close. Let's just say it's around around $50 game. Yeah. What yeah, Jesse, don't, don't don't forget it's got a fantasy theme. So our buddy Chenier's game uh, is not not gonna be in that New York 1901. But Jordan's gotta go. Well, of course Jordan's gonna ask this. Jordan from the new no cube zone <laughs> says, I have to ask, cubes or no cubes? Jordan, that was sneaky. That's a good one. Uh, no, no cubes. No cubes. No cubes. In the no cube zone, and oh, he got hey, you know, the show. Is this a game y'all have played mm-hmm. before? Okay. 
So it's not an on V that you want to play. It's a game you have played and want to play again. Is the What's game it's still on Oh, it's not, it's not New York 1901. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was it ever on Kickstarter? I don't uh, think Berla so. Wants to know. I don't think no. Is it still in print? Oh, I hope so. Yeah. I can give you a big hint. Do you want a big hint? I think we may Thomas need wants a big to know hint. That the it's was not, that it, was, it was not on Kickstarter, but the company that made it is often on Kickstarter. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Is the company Kamon or Simon? It looks like it, yes. Sean? Did I give it away that easily? Okay, yes. <laughs> the, 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 the publisher is Come On Games, yes. Come On Games. All right, Jack Crew. Now we, now we got it. So, so, I so now the floodgates should open because if you yeah, can I, find a Come On game that Flat right. Out Games is really into, you should, it should if you, if be. You, yeah, because they you rarely count 30, publish anything. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you count 30 seconds, the Jack Crew is going to go crazy with guesses. Before we get there, uh, come on, it's a Come On game that didn't go to Kickstarter. Oh, Dean's got it, I bet. It's Ethnos. Bingo, 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 Nicely done. He did the Meeple Town people proud. Yeah, look, here comes all the guesses. Modern art, Rising Sun. Rising Sun went to Kickstarter Ninja. Uh, Ethnos did not, though. Now, Ethnos, what I want to see, if Beth's still in the chat, is Ethnos with Beth Sobel art. Mm. Because Ethnos is a fantastic game. But it's butt ugly. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is if anyone has a hookup at like come a on. Dream project. <laughs> not only if not only is this the dream project to or the dream game when there's a big enough group, it's so great. It's one of our everyone in our group, Rob and Sean and I all love this game. It's in our top five, probably, definitely top ten. But the dream project is to reskin that game. Ian O'Toole doing the board. And Beth oh. doing all the cards. <laughs> and the internet breaks when it's Kickstarter. <laughs> the internet breaks. I can't do any work. Uh, the TV shows, uh, you know, all the live TV shows cancel because they can't broadcast out of the stars' homes. And Beth, Beth just absolutely breaks the thing. She says, Ethnos would be a terrible house guest in the area control. That's exactly, you know what? That should have been the clue right there, Stephen Verla. That was an excellent question from Beth. It would have been a terrible one. Yeah. Got to give a quick call, yeah. a shout out to Dean here. If you could see Dean right now, he'd be wearing a big, proud grin. So there's a little people. Oh, call. Johnny Meeple loves that one. Very nicely the, done, Steve. The thing about Ethnos is like, don't sleep on this game because of the box art or whatever, right? Because it's, just one of the most brilliant, like simple designs. And, and Rob was really the first one to play it. And he was like, guys, and he talks about it all the time. He's like two to six players. And every turn is like, like, it's just grab a card, do some stuff. Like it's just so freaking elegant. And the way that it combines set collection and area control in this really fun interactive way, it's just, Brilliant, brilliant. One of hey, our favorite games. Do, do guys right when you said mint chocolate chip, those little pieces, they kind of got that mint chocolate chip look to it. That's right, the colors and everything. Uh, yeah, Alex says uh, the designer, Paolo Mori, a lot of other good designs. Hey, we got Libertalia, which is one of my yep. favorite games of all time. And a game a lot of people slept on was a game called uh, Do I Help Me Out? I think it's called Blitzkrieg. It's a little <laughs> tiny, oh, I'm not a big, I'm not a little big, war, I'm not a big war gamer. Little tiny box game, only takes about 30 minutes. If you like Watergate but want a little bit more, right, Steve? Yeah, Steve's giving me a thumbs up. If you want Watergate but you want a little bit more 
a combat oriented going after each other rather than just the card play, that's going to be Blitzkrieg. I thought I had Duga. I mean, I had him. I had him all over the board, and I forgot about the instant win condition. And he just, oh, he got me good with that one. Yeah, that is a cool one. I have not played um, a Roman Bingo, so I don't know Rise of Augustus yet. Um, I feel like I played it because I played Ecos, but I, I'm not sure if it's the same game or not. So, oh, there's Johnny Pack says Eth- Ethnos is good. It was licensed from a publisher, Spaghetti Western Man. Games. Is that right? Okay, I didn't. I didn't realize that, that they didn't develop it. So that was one sort of like what, the, what they've done with uh, Lorenzo. Yeah. They they found a good euro and they published it. So, mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, thanks, that was a thanks, fantastic. Johnny. Joke. That's a good tidbit. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, obviously you see that the chat crew uh, approves of your choice because that's that's a game that is still very very popular. I think it would be even more popular if it looked good on the table. So isn't that right? Have All right, Verla, I, Verla, I'm gonna. You have anything uh, you want to say to Sean and Molly and I that you have them here? You, you and your your mom, the the big fans of Flat Out. Oh man, we just love it. Keep them coming. I'm looking forward to the next one. All right. Well, thank you both for being such big Flat Out Games boosters. We appreciate it. I mean, like, there's like we always say that the backers are just like hugely important. Like the backer experience for like a tiny little like publishing company like us. It's 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 epic. So thank you, thank you both for for being there on day one and and helping uh, helping with Calico. It's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, a fellow group of Pacific Northwesterners that just gets our support as well. So we're really excited about that. Big thanks to the chat crew. We had so many great people in the chat crew throwing out guests and guesses and also questions. And that is the the Envy game brought to us by our friends at Game Toppers LLC. Hey, Sean, make your game nights a showstopper when you play on a game topper. That's our that's our friend Berkey over there with the, with the game topper. He's a big sponsor of the Southern Board Game Fest, and that's why we like to mention him on the shows. That was a, a lot of fun. Verla, I'm going to send you down while we close out the show. And that was awesome. And Steve, the, the big winner of the night, Steve, the chat crew goddess, Dean Dunning, oh, right? Dean. And, and another little highlight of the night is thanks to Beth Sobel for jumping in unannounced on the, on the, on the chat. Um, she was an extra special treat to have along with Sean and Molly tonight. Absolutely. That was a lot of fun. All right, board gamers. That is it for another episode of Gumbo Live. We lost Molly. I'm not sure what happened to her. She, she was having some technical problems tonight. Sean, how can people get in touch with you or Molly or Flat Out Games if they want to know more about the Kickstarter coming up, Cascadia? All right. Well, you can uh, follow uh, the be- the best way to get in touch with us is on Twitter. Uh, so we're at Flat Out Games. Um, and yeah, right now, like I mentioned before, um, check out www.cascadiaboardgame.com to sign up for for the to be notified about the, the Cascadia Kickstarter when it comes along. And keep an eye out for Calico um, coming to retail from AEG in in October. Yep. I- I got to recommend uh, Cascadia myself. I got to play it. It's uh, If you like tile lane games and you like little puzzle games, it's going to be one that you like. Make sure to like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash boardgamegumbo. It helps us get the word out about all of our upcoming guests and shows, including next week. We've got the gaming doctor. Dale Hugh is going to be coming in from Opinionated Games. He writes a blog. It's a blog I, re- I read all the time. He and Chris Ray and Brandon and all those. So we're going to be talking about some of the spicy games that the Opinionated Gamers gets to play. Because if you like Euro games, you're not going to want to miss this show because Dale plays a lot of them. I'm BJ from Board Game Gumbo, Sean. And until next time, c'est le bon temps roulé. Thanks for listening. 
Gumbo Live is produced by DJ Rosa and the name father Steve O'Rourke, with editing by Sean Jones. You can find more Board Game Gumbo content by checking out our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter feed at Board Game Gumbo. Or visit the Board Game Gumbo blog at BoardGameGumbo.com. Do you like an Imperial Stout with your favorite heavy hero? How about a New England IPA with the latest thematic treasure? I'm Jake. And I'm Danielle. And Draft Mechanic is the podcast about board games, craft beer, and anything we can do to tie the two together. We've got reviews of hobby board games, the 411 on craft beer styles, news, and history, and every episode we put a different game on tap so you know exactly what brews to reach for when you pull it off the shelf. So sit back, relax, grab a pint, and we'll see you back here every other Monday and at draftmechanic.net for another round. 